0: This week it's all about a February review of Destiny 2. Guardians. I greet you in the light. Welcome back to Gamer Loop Radio, everyone. I'm your host, Verita Amore. As of the posting of this podcast, we are less than one week away from the release of the latest Destiny 2 expansion, The Witch Queen, and there are so many changes coming with this expansion. Let's dive into the updates provided by This Week at Bungie towards the end of January and the month of February. As we review these massive updates from Bungie, I want our lovely listeners to keep in mind that there are some massive updates that have been posted with both the TWAB and in between the TWAB uh, between my last podcast and this one. I'll be covering the high-level details of each TWAB and will absolutely note if there are any deep-dive articles to dig into. Starting with the TWAB from January 27th, we begin with Ritual Reputation Updates. Vanguard ranks will be changing. Bungie notes here, according to their findings, players were running more Vanguard strikes than anticipated and were optimizing for the new activity streak at a lower rate as well. They used the data from the Season of the loss to adjust the model to be more accurate with actual behavior and then retuned everything to bring the average gain more in line with the Crucible. For Season 16, expect increased Vanguard reputation on completion, activity streak amounts, Nightfall Multipliers, and Nightfall Completion Quality Bonuses. Next we have Trials Reputation Updates. Bungie notes here that Trials of Osiris was about 30% slower than anticipated while not having an accelerated gain when higher ranks are achieved. They also felt like they were not valuing winning rounds enough, especially players getting to 20 round wins at a, and 7 ticket wins. Bungie has added a small amount of Trials Reputation at match end for every Round 1 in that match, which increases based on how many ticket wins a player has. At the top end, each Round 1 awards 21 reputation, up to 105 extra reputation a match. This ideally speeds up the Trials Reputation gain by 50% or more for players who do not regularly reset their ticket in an attempt to go flawless. Bungie was not able to give an accelerated reputation gain for higher ranks in the Witch Queen for technical reasons, but expect more news on that later this year. Oh, and guess what? The Summoner auto-rifle is returning as a reward in Trials of Osiris. So what isn't changing? Bungie notes here that they are happy with the speed of Crucible reputation gain, though they may look at this again alongside Iron Banner vendor changes in the future. Additionally, the Gambit reputation gain was about 30% slower than desired, But with the Gambit revamp coming with Witch Queen, Bungie is going to wait for a full season of data to analyze playstyles before making any changes. Currently, no changes are being made to the activity streak system or the placement of weapon ornaments either. Bungie notes here they have heard our feedback on it and don't believe it is currently meeting their design goals. It is intended to feel like a nice bonus for dedicated players, but rarely feel critical. Right now, it can sometimes feel too punishing to leave a Ritual playlist, but this is being partially driven by Gambit slash Vanguard reputations moving slower than intended, combined with the Ritual ornaments being on the second reset. They want to see how the tweaks to Vanguard reputation changes playstyle and hourly gain before they make any changes across the board. To me, it makes sense that they're waiting for these changes to be implemented, before they make any adjustments to the placement of the weapon ornaments. I will say though, by making it part of the seasonal triumphs each season, it does definitely drive player behavior to try to get them as quickly as possible, especially because they are on the second reset. But we'll see how the ranking system and the changes uh, to earning reputation rank uh, help with that whole process. Additionally, starting with the Witch Queen, when double ranks or rewards are active, those activities will have a modifier on the launch screen to remind you. Very helpful for those of us who completely forget what the double rank activity is by about midweek, myself included. Next, we have the Vanguard Operation playlist. Season 13 Battlegrounds activities have been added to the Vanguard Strike playlist. The Battlegrounds are the direct launch, no champion version of the Battleground, and the as these match the length, and difficulty of most strikes in the playlist, so we are looking at Behemoth on Nessus, Oracle on Nessus, Hailstone on Europa, and Foothold in the Cosmodrome. Any Bounties, Quests, Triumphs, or Challenges that used to reference strikes will now reference Vanguard Operations. Next, we have some changes to Nightfalls! Bungie has slowly been iterating on the pressures and challenges that are applied at each Nightfall difficulty rank. One big outlier Bungie noted here is the strike-specific modifiers with damage boosts and other effects that enhanced boss attacks. Personally, I don't like being yeeted by Sedia, Bungie, so I'm glad that this is changing. Bungie found that they were generally inconsistent and were pushing tactical play rather than intended build crafting. So Bungie has removed these modifiers starting at hero. They have also added a new style of burn called Acute, which will increase player damage taken from a specific element by 50% and increase player damage done by 25%. Most Nightfalls already had a 25% damage modifier, so this will be an even increase across the board of 25% in both directions. Seasonal Strike modifiers introduced in Season 15 will be moved from the Vanguard playlist to Nightfalls. These are unique buffs and boosts that aid you if you lean into the combat themes of the season. So for Season 16, they are themed to Glaive and Void usage. No surprise there. These will rotate weekly and appear on all Hero, Legend, and Master Nightfalls. All Nightfall activities now have a modifier that lists the shields being used as well, similar to Legend and Master Lost Sectors. Wrapping up this particular TWAB, we have a change to the Lost Sector rotation. Starting with Witch Queen, there will now be a single, daily Lost Sector, which has both Legend and Master difficulties available at the same time, selectable at the entrance, and both difficulties will give the same exotic reward. This change is a bit of a wait and see for me, only because one of the benefits of having two different Lost Sectors up at any given time was the number of times in a given week that a armor piece would rotate and become available. But it definitely caused a little bit of an issue if perhaps the Lost Sector was a little bit troublesome, or maybe you missed the day that it was on Legend. And so it's on Master and you're not high enough. So while I do think this is going to solve for some issues, it may cause a bit of heartburn for others. But again, this is a wait and see for me. Overall, though, I like the idea of being able to select the difficulty at the launch point. Next, we have the February 3rd TWAB from Bungie. And guess what? Sony bought Bungie. (laughs) This is one of the biggest announcements that happened during that week and is listed in the TWAB. I highly recommend reading through the announcement and the FAQ posted by Bungie after this uh, purchase announcement was made by them. Bungie has indicated in multiple places they do not expect us to notice much of a difference in our day-to-day adventures as Guardians, and Bungie will not be making Destiny 2 platform exclusive. Bungie is committed to a Destiny experience that can be played on the platform of your choice regardless of what device you're using. Not to mention another really mind-blowing stat, the Witch Queen hit one million pre-orders. One million pre-orders! And that is only since the posting of that TWAB. It is probably even bigger by then. So on top of that, expect to wait a little bit on launch day, but no big deal. Just get make sure your snacks are ready. It's going to be great. This TWAB is full of gigantic updates, but one of the biggest one is the Welcome to the Enclave section, which are the details around weapon crafting. To start your quest early in the witch queen campaign you will be given an introductory quest that runs you through the ins and outs of crafting in the first and second missions of the witch queen free to all players guardians will uncover the deep sight ability and be introduced to the enclave this is where you will begin to shape your first glaive a brand new weapon archetype being introduced in the witch queen all of the necessary materials will be provided to you for your first crafted weapon but you'll also be given a short tutorial on how to find those materials for future crafting. A subset of weapons and archetypes will be craftable from the start, but more will be added in the future. In order to shape the future tools of destruction, you will need to do a little bit of research first. Patterns are your first requirement. Some will be acquired through quest completions, while others can be earned by completing various gameplay objectives. Once you've earned your desired pattern, it can be crafted at any time with the required materials. Now it's all about the mixings. So for those of you who are living, you know, coming from the Division 1 and 2 world, patterns are essentially blueprints. After reaching the Enclave and crafting your first glaive, randomly rolled weapons throughout the game will be given a chance to drop with a new ability, which is called Deep Sight Resonance. This will be used as you begin to target specific traits to craft. As an example, if you find a Deep Sight Resonance Legendary Auto Rifle with the Rampage perk, you can complete an objective and extract the essence of that perk, and then craft a weapon with Rampage or another perk that increases damage. Like current weapons, not every weapon pattern will be compatible with every trait, but you'll have a good list of traits to mix and match as you customize a given weapon to your desired specifications. It doesn't stop there, though. Through the Enclave, you'll be able to kick things up a notch and enhance your traits to strengthen their flavor. Regarding leveling your weapons and enhanced traits, once a weapon is crafted, guardians can start to increase its level by using it in activities and defeating enemies. This is where the bulk of your crafting playtime will be. The more you use your weapon, the faster you'll unlock its full potential. Enhanced stats and traits can be unlocked when reaching higher levels, granting slight bonuses to your weapon capabilities. Bungie's goal through this system is to give players a reason to invest in their weapons far beyond what masterworking could offer in the past. Each weapon can now act as a long-tail pursuit as you look to make your freshly crafted weapon the best it can be. It can be intimidating to start making decisions on how to build your weapon, so Bungie is also giving you the ability to reshape your crafted weapons in the Enclave if you want to mix up the components of your weapons after you finish crafting them. You can switch up what barrel, mags, or traits you use so you don't feel like you got locked down one path forever. Bungie is also introducing mementos, while the majority of your crafting experience will be dedicated to mixing, matching, and enhancing traits, there is also an opportunity for a bit of customization when it comes to appearances and activity-specific trackers. At launch, one weapon memento will be available for players to earn through Gambit, unlocking a Gambit-themed appearance and tracker. Rank up your weapon to max level, head back to the Enclave, and apply your freshly earned memento for some sweet flare. More of these will come online through Trials of Osiris and Grandmaster Nightfalls. Bungie has plans for mementos down the line, and they are excited to introduce a new endgame rarity cosmetic item for players to chase as they build out their new arsenal of weaponry. On top of that, we have exotic crafting! (laughs) Legendary weapons aren't the only thing that you'll be able to craft. The upcoming Osteostriga exotic SMG and three class unique exotic glaives can also be crafted through the Enclave, once you find their respective patterns, of course. While legendary weapons can be crafted from the ground up, exotic crafting is more about fine-tuning something with a defined identity. You may have the opportunity to customize things like barrels or stocks while preserving the exotic look and feel. Looking for a longer range profile for the weapon, or opting to shred through your enemies up close and personal? Through the Enclave, you can do just that. Overall, having this insight to weapon crafting has really helped to tie together the change to how orbs of uh, light are generated and the weapon crafting system. They really want you to lean into the idea of crafting and not masterworking a weapon just for the abilities that it has and to keep using that weapon and not penalize you because it's not masterworked. I really can't wait to get my hands on this weapon crafting system, and I would say that, again, if you are a Division one or two veteran and weapon crafting was something that you liked and you're on the fence about Destiny, this is a great opportunity to check it out. Next, we have a huge section on weapon tuning, and it all starts with Pinnacle and Pursuit Weapons. Now, for those of you who may or may not remember, when Pinnacle Weapons were introduced, they were tuned and presented as being best-in-class weapons to act as rewards for players dedicated to a particular activity. They excited and motivated players, but they were expensive to build for Legendary Weapons and had some undesirable side effects, such as PvP Pinnacle Weapons becoming a mandatory in PvE activities, For those of you who had Recluse and Mountaintop, this will sound very familiar. Or becoming incredibly unpleasant to play against, or so strong that no other weapons in the class could compete in PvP. Again, Mountaintop. Not to mention, not forgotten. When Bungie moved away from Pinnacle Weapons, they didn't go into a whole lot of detail as to the reasoning behind why. So they take a moment here to clarify the move and to introduce the Pursuit Weapon for the next season. From a technical breakdown standpoint, the intent as of Season 12 is that a Pursuit weapon should be a solid weapon, roughly 70% of a quote-unquote God roll in its archetype, with perk options that work well in both PvP and PvE, and which can be reliably obtained without a huge grind. These should act as good starter weapons for both PvP and PvE, while leaving space for weapons from pinnacle activities like Trials, Raids, and Nightfalls to exceed that potential, And Bungie generally ships a similar weapon with higher potential in the same season. Bungie also notes here that Salvager Salvo basically ignores that guideline. Oops, but they really wanted to put chain reaction on a special ammo weapon and don't currently see a reason to touch it. Chain reaction is going to be rare on special weapons, though. This leads us into the ritual weapon for season 16, the reckless endangerment shotgun. It introduces a new steady hands perk for a huge handling boost after a kill plus snapshot. Next, we have an explanation of Origin Traits. Every weapon that is new or returning in the Witch Queen will have an origin trait determined by its source in a third trait column, including all new legendary weapons and all returning trials, Iron Banner and Nightfall weapons. Origin traits will only appear on new drops of a weapon, and they will not be retroactively added to old drops. These traits vary in effect, but the guideline is that they either have high uptime and medium power effects, or low uptime and high power. There are 14 origin traits in total shipping in the Witch Queen and Season 16, and Bungie expects to ship around three new ones each season after Season 16, for example, one for Season 17, one for the raid or dungeon, and one for the seasonal event until they have one for each event. When Bungie refreshes old weapons from a given source, for example, an existing raid or old pool of seasonal weapons, they may create a new origin trait at the same time. Bungie also gives some examples on what some of these origin traits are going to look like. Starting with Trials of Osiris, you have Alacrity. Gain increased reload, stability, aim assist, and range when you are the last living member of your fire team or running solo. Solo also includes solo lost sectors and rumble, for example. So they give you an idea of how this trait is going to impact both PvE and PvP activity. In Nightfall Strikes, we're going to have Stunning Recovery. Stunning a champion partially refills your magazine, triggers health regen, and improves recovery for a short duration. In Crucible, we have One Quiet Moment, which grants increased reload speed when out of combat. Lastly, we have the Strike origin trait, Vanguard's Vindication. Final blows with this weapon grant a small amount of health. Anytime it makes sense due to the source activity, a weapon will have multiple origin traits selectable. For example, Nightfall Weapons can select between Nightfall and Vanguard Traits. Trials Weapons can select between Trials of Osiris and Crucible Traits. The Pursuit Weapon can select between the Gambit, Vanguard, and Crucible Traits since it can be acquired from any of these activities. Next, we have Weapon Foundries. In Season 16, Bungie is replacing the Old World loot pool with 12 new weapons in the style of the Destiny 2 Year 1 Foundry Weapon Sets. Three weapons each from the Suros, Omelon, Hake, and Viced foundries, plus one foundry weapon for each vanguard, gambit, and crucible. Each weapon will come with a foundry origin trait themed around that foundry's personality. Suros is going to have Suros synergy. Reloading grants this weapon bonus handling and reduces incoming flinch for a short time. Hake is going to have breach armaments. This weapon deals increased damage against vehicles, turrets, barricades, and stasis crystals. Turrets also include stasis turrets. Amalan is going to have Fluid Dynamics. This weapon has increased reload speed and stability for the top half of the magazine. And Veist is going to have Stinger, chance on damage to partially refill this weapon's magazine. In addition to the Foundry Origin trait, each Foundry weapon's perk pools lean into that Foundry's identity. Big damage for Hake, consistency for Suros, ability tie-ins and weird stuff for Amalan, and never stop firing for Vyced. Foundry weapons that drop from a source aside from the whirlpool can switch between the foundry trait and that source's trait. This doesn't imply that the foundry weapons will be common outside of the the whirlpool. Some additional global changes were announced as well. Kill trackers were once one reason to masterwork a weapon, but now Bungie sees no reason to gate this behind masterworking. They will be present by default on all weapons that shipped in Forsaken and later. Exotic weapons prior to Forsaken will be updated in a later release. Yes, this means Masterworking should no longer be seen as mandatory, and Bungie expects the plus 10 to a Weapon stat, or plus 10 to Primary stat, plus 3 to other stats for Adept, to only matter to dedicated PvP players. Bungie has no specific plans for changes to Masterworking at this stage, but they will revisit it later. In addition to the information around kill trackers, Bungie also announced that following in the armor team's footsteps, weapon mods for legendary weapons are now free and instant to insert! Yay! There's an additional note here about Crucible, specifically that Bungie believes many pain points around special weapons in Crucible are made worse by how easy it currently is to acquire special ammo, and while they've touched this in the past, they're making a further adjustment now. Players now only drop one special ammo on death, or equivalent, no matter how much they were carrying, as long as they weren't completely empty. The maximum you can pick up off of a special brick is one for a shotgun, fusion rifle, or sniper, or equivalent of other weapons. Scavenger mods add to this as normal, but they will be evaluating their place in Crucible in the future. Now, Guardians. There is a gigantic section around sandbox change notes here. This was one behemoth of a toab, and as i mentioned earlier on the podcast this is one of those sections i'm going to encourage you all to read through at your own leisure bungie has gone to great lengths to detail out a lot of weapon sandbox changes and i will say when i went over this on my stream a few weeks ago when it was first released it took about an hour to read through i highly recommend combing through this section for specific details on all the weapon and perk changes coming with the witch queen the TWAB is a great place for this information, and it's a great reference point to go back to, so I definitely recommend checking this whole thing out on your own. Bungie also provides a few reminders around content being vaulted, specific deadlines to claim rewards, and note here some weapons that are cycling out of the loot pool for Trials, Nightfalls, and Iron Banner. Cycling out of Trials of Osiris is Igneous Hammer and Solus Scar. Cycling out of Nightfalls will be the Swarm, Shadow Price, Uzumi and Hung Jury. And cycling out of Iron Banner will be the Multimock, Time War Inspire, Guiding Sight, and Steady Hand. The final Twab that we will be looking at uh, was released on February 10th, and it is on the heels of the ViDoc Drop. With every big expansion, Bungie typically releases a video documentary going over in detail the new expansion that's coming out. Again, if you didn't watch it, please go watch it. It is one of the most amazing things I've seen since Beyond Light. It has so much great information on it. It was so good and outlines so much great information, not to mention Bungie posted two different little bits of information over the course of the week. There's an interactive Vanguard report that is filled with lore, and I highly, highly recommend going to look at it, not to mention a video and detailed post about Void 3.0. Again, this detailed post in the video breaks it down at a really kind of microscopic level in terms of the abilities and the changes. I'm going to talk a little bit about the high level Void 3.0 changes here. But again, this is one of those that I highly recommend you take a read through on your own. To preface the introduction to Void 3.0, Bungie is reminding us about the introduction of Aspects and Fragments. Aspects and Fragments were first introduced in stasis with the Beyond Light expansion. This offers players more options to choose from with how they take to battle. Aspects are class-specific items that players can choose when using their revamped void abilities, and Fragments are non-class-specific perks that are there as additional enhancements to how the gameplay feels. Now we'll go into the high-level breakdown of what each class is getting and how their void is changing. First up, we have the Titans. Ward of Dawn can now be almost completely Instantly activated, while also becoming the fastest super cooldown tier for ease of access. This change makes Ward of Dawn even more of a powerful defensive tool. Sentinel Shield will still let Titans harness their inner Captain America with thrown Shields providing ranged damage as a shield bash grants full overshield. And Titan aspects include Controlled Demolition, Bastion, and Offensive Bulwark, all of which can be found in the full blog post from Bungie on Void 3.0. Next we have The Hunters. Hunters will still be the epitome of stealth, now with even more control over what their enemies see or don't see. Mobius Quiver changes will fire off a volley of three arrows that contract targets and make them volatile when tethered. Deadfall will see the Void Anchors pull in enemies to a desired location from surface and target impact. Snare Bomb Melee will also do more to weaken opponents, particularly in PvP, when it removes an enemy player's HUD and obstructs their in-game view. Hunter aspects include Trapper's Ambush, Vanishing Step, and Stylish Executioner. Last but not least, we have our Warlocks. Float like a Warlock, sting like a bee, says Bungie, because Void 3.0 fine-tunes what makes Warlocks so valuable and makes them truly a force to be reckoned with. The Nova Warp Super with the Vortex Super Enhancements allows players to teleport efficiently to unleash the ultimate Void attack while drawing enemies in and trapping them within a web of damage. Nova Bomb with the Cataclysm enhancement allows for more control when Warlocks are on the hunt for enemies to take out, particularly in PvP instances, and detonations will disperse into smaller tracking projectiles, shoot the Nova Bomb, and it'll also detonate early. Void 3.0 Melee with Pocket Singularity unleashes Void that detonates when near foes, making them volatile while controlling their position in relation to the Blast Zone. Warlock Aspects include Chaos Accelerant, Feed the Void, and Child of the Old Gods. All of these sound so incredible, and I cannot wait to get my hands on them. Now, when it comes to New Lights, how does this affect them? New Lights, or new players as we refer to them in the Destiny community, will be able to earn their first Aspects and Fragments during the New Light campaign. During the Schism mission, players will acquire a new quest called Learning Light that teaches them more about their subclass abilities. More Aspects and Fragments can be unlocked by visiting a core array in the tower. New characters have also had their starting subclass experience changed. Not only will new Hunters and Titans be starting with the Void subclass instead of Solar or Arc, all classes will now start with Void subclass abilities intended to be more friendly and appealing to new players. So Hunter will start with Mobius Quiver for their Super, Marksman's Dodge for their class ability, Triple Jump, Snare Bomb, and Scatter Grenade. Titans will start with Sentinel Shield, Towering Barricade, Catapult Lift, Shield Throw, and Magnetic Grenade. And Warlocks will start with Nova Bomb, Vortex, Healing Rift, Burst Glide, Pocket Singularity, and Vortex Grenade. Now we get into some details around the legendary campaign. First and foremost, where's the loot? As far as the main rewards are considered, Bungie has double chest rewards, offering 1-3 extra chests per mission. Each chest will give you World Pool Gear, XP, Upgrade Modules, and Glimmer. Legendary players will be able to earn Throne World Armor and unlocks at a faster rate. So basically, higher the risk means higher the reward, especially when getting to the new power level soft cap in the Witch Queen. The Legendary campaign offers some unique rewards as well. Completing all the missions on Legendary will give players the following. A new emblem exclusive to those who complete the campaign at Legendary difficulty. A triumph required for the newest title for the Throne World, a set of gear 20 above the soft cap at 1520 power level, eight upgrade modules, the new Witch Queen exotic armor that typically is reserved for lost sector drops, and exclusive bungee rewards, but more on those in the future. Now, how challenging is it? To set difficulty expectations, the Legendary campaign is designed to be harder than a Legend Nightfall though it is easier than a solo dungeon or running a Grandmaster Nightfall. Enemies are more difficult and more aggressive. They also have a higher damage resistance and are more of a challenge to stagger, and shields are stronger to unmatched damage types. The challenge of Legendary also comes from switching up enemy interactions in Infiltration, like swapping out an elite for a boss or having an influx of more red bar foes. Now, before you go and do it, can you overlevel for this content? Each mission caps your power similar to the Raid Contest mode so that all Guardians have an even playing field to avoid feeling like every step is a grind. The mission launch screen will have a skull displaying each mission's max effective power, so if you're underleveled, be prepared for a bit of a fight. Now, what about for all you solo Guardians out there? How is this going to be for you? Bungie has had a lot of aspirational content in the past, but Legendary gives them a chance to give solo players more equal footing with those that opt into playing with a fire team. Enemy damage and health scales to match your fire team, though it won't be 1 to 1, because triple the boss health isn't fun. Even still, it will be enough to keep even a veteran trio on their ornamented toes. Bungie also didn't want to trivialize darkness encounters compared to solo play, so you're limited to one revive per player for each darkness zone and a shared timer of 40 seconds before an automatic wipe happens. Bungie has said it time and time again, but you have got to stay close to your friends and be ready to be able to pick them up when they fall. Now, can players dial back the difficulty if they need to? For those folks that find the difficulty of Legendary too overwhelming at first, there is an option to leave a mission and relaunch it through the classic Destiny 2 settings. Some players will want to focus more on the story than on the sweat for that first run, and that's totally fine. Bungie wants to support you in that endeavor. For those who want more of a challenge later, they've added nodes to replay any of the Witch Queen campaign missions on Classic or Legendary at any time, after you've beaten the mission once, of course. Next, we have some really spicy descriptions on new exotics coming for Titans, Hunters, and Warlocks with the Witch Queen. Each class is getting one stasis and one non-stasis exotic, for a total of six. Starting with the Titans, you have the Lorelei Splendor Helm, Which is more than just a pretty face, it has the Cauterizing Flame perk that allows for sunspots to heal players when they have Sun Warrior. Critically wounded? No big deal. The perk also ensures that a sunspot is created in your location to give you that one last fighting chance with that quick grenade and melee ability recharge for longer supers. Plus, more damage? Always a good thing. I really like this choice for Titan, although I will say when I read it, I was a little bit puzzled as to why the exotic was not more void focused because it is a void rework. Um, but this is a really great alternative for the Phoenix Cradle legs as this now provides healing where the legs did not. So I'm really excited to give this a try with my build. As for the Stasis Exotic, the Titan's Hoarfrost-Z chest piece is nothing to scoff at, though this one takes a chillier approach to combat for Stasis users with the Glacial Fortification perk. When a player uses Stasis, it allows for a Titan's Barricade to become an impressive wall of Stasis crystals. These crystals will slow any target that gets too close, while also boosting a player and their fire team's weapon reload speed, stability, and range. So this is essentially a stasis replacement for the Rally Barricade. Again, this feels very situational to me, but I'm very excited to give it a try. As a titan main, both of these exotics give me a lot to look forward to. For hunters, we have the Blight Ranger Helm with the Voltaic Mirror perk. This perk allows players to redirect their arc staff to deal an increased amount of damage and orbs of power generation for all allies basically get in there and do some damage sounds like a good time as for the stasis exotic hunters are getting renewal grasps with the depths of dusk field perk this gives guardians a much larger radius for their dusk field grenades while also nerfing incoming damage for allies within the dusk fields range Any targets locked within that space will also deal out a reduced amount of damage, so go on out there and make those Hive cry about it. Let us not forget our Warlocks with some incredible exotics. As for the non-stasis exotic, the Warlocks are going to have the Secant Filament Legs. This is going to display the Devouring Rift perk. These shiny Walking Sticks of Power will grant a player Devour when they cast their Empowering Rift, allowing for damage from both allies and individual players the ability to disrupt foes, but in style. Bungie adds some notes here that this started as a what can we give warlocks that would make empowering rift a more viable choice in Master Plus content. We figured the answer was, well, it probably has to heal you, and eventually we settled on what was called the devouring rift pants. Overload was added to increase the excitement and expand the options players had to build for various champion-enabled content. Personally, I can't wait to get these legs for my warlock. I'm very, very excited. As for Stasis, the Warlocks are getting the Osmiomancy Gauntlets with the Fervid Cold Snap perk. Cold Snap grenades have an additional charge that will recharge faster when it makes direct impact. The Seeker spawn from the Cold Snap grenades also travels further too. Bonus! A few more reminders from Bungie here, some technical and some just friendly reminders, even for those who are seasoned veterans of all Destiny content, or for folks who are brand new and this is your first Destiny expansion. Bungie has provided the Witch Queen release schedule. To prepare for the launch of Witch Queen on February 22nd, Destiny 2 will undergo scheduled downtime from 7pm Pacific on February 21st to 9am Pacific on February 22nd. So as of 7pm Pacific on the 22nd, Destiny 2 will be brought offline. At 9pm Pacific, the preload for Hotfix 4.0.0.1 will be available on all platforms. This is the preload for the game then on the 22nd at 9 a.m destiny 2 will be brought back online and hotfix 4.0.0.1 will be playable on all platforms and regions and then by 11 a.m pacific destiny 2 maintenance is scheduled to complete as a reminder to everybody whether this is your very first destiny 2 uh expansion launch or you know you're a seasoned veteran with this it is going to be a long queue folks take your time get some snacks maybe take a nap Be prepared to wait if you're going to log in on the 22nd to play. Bungie also provides some reminders about Bungie rewards. Uh, As Bungie is taking extended downtime prior to the launch of Witch Queen, players looking to earn the following Bungie rewards should complete the associated in-game achievements before 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on the 22nd. These include an Outfly the Wolves pin, the Strange Coin, the Moments of Triumph t-shirt, the Beyond Light artifact coin set, the Techian Hoodie, the Ager Scepter Beanie, and the Deadeye, Realm Walker, Fatebringer, Splintered, Descendant, and Moments of Triumph Sealed Collectible Medallion Pins. Also with the launch of Witch Queen on February 22nd, certain activities, quests, destinations, items, and weapons from past seasons and expansions will become unavailable to access or earn. For a full list of vaulted, depreciated, or unearnable content, please visit the Player Support Report From the february 3rd twab there is also an extensive report on the destiny content vault available on bungie.net well guardians that wraps it up the witch queen will soon be upon us where we work to defeat savathun's lucent brood take back the light and earn and craft some sweet loot i highly recommend reviewing the sandbox and void 3.0 changes in detail when you can but if you don't want to hop in on february 22nd and try them out for yourself firsthand I am your humble guardian host, Verita Amore, and if you are looking for more content and shenanigans from me, you can find me on Twitch, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok under Verita Amore 87. If you liked today's podcast, don't forget to leave us a rating or review on your preferred podcasting platform. We would love to hear from you. Feel free to email us, ask us questions, tell us what you liked, or what can be improved. Do you have any suggestions on topics or game reviews? Just give us a shout. We'd love to hear from you. You can find additional episodes of Gamer Loop Radio on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Podbean. Thank you for listening to our podcast.